I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the, the SG Boys. Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. Should we start again? I think yeah. can yeah. start again. Okay. okay. Okay, the last time I was here with Josh, just me and Josh, we started again like five times. <laughs> like, he ran into my knife five times. <laughs> like, it was... It was I but I think, I think we yielded another bad episode. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice. Which Kennedy really loves. <laughs> he yeah. listened to it, right? Right. He listened to it the moment it dropped last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite episode of the SG Boys this season, Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, but yes, it's all four of us here in the room. Should we roll call? Apart from Sam, Joe, and I, we have Rachel. Forbes 30 under 30. Woo! Honoree, no less. Not just a nominee, she actually was in Forbes. Congratulations, Rachel, by the way. Hi, um, Congratulations, Rachel. You've been yes. so busy since your success, like, you know, your meteoric rise to fame, and we haven't seen you. Yeah. But you are actually a rare Pokemon now. Even yeah. rarer is. Hi, my name's Kennedy and I'm a lay person. <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy's also been quite rare because he's been like busy with work and everything, right? Yeah. Disappeared. Or yeah, Jimming. I think Jimming. Mm. The only person I think in this table that I see the most often, kind of see but don't remember, is like Sam Joe. Because <laughs> usually it's like we're drinking and then like I see him and I see his performances. Uh, but other than seeing Sam Joe at those kinds of places, I. <laughs> <laughs> Disapproving yeah, JK JK yeah. No I am I am very much Part of those places like, Other yeah. than seeing Sandro's at bars And clubs And his amazing performances hey. I also go over to Joshua Simon's place Sometimes to Have a catch up Oh Oh, oh. Wow. No, it's, yeah, Actually that's the reason Why I left the SG boys <laughs> No, y'all wanted the truth Now this is the truth <laughs> No 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 Scratch that It's just a swim Yeah Yeah we just yeah. go and swim They got wet he'll, together mm-hmm. He'll tell me all his life's problems And I'll give him Armchair psychology advice He's actually quite brilliant I think you should Like be a therapist oh, No 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 I got no qualification So I can be those Hack jobs uh, Life coach oh. Life coach We literally talked about this In the previous episode Because we're having a bit of like um, Heart to Neutral heart, therapy yeah. moment Like you know Sometimes it just Helps to just talk through your problems. Okay, I'll like. go and listen to the episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I like that we're able to at least come together. How has Kennedy been? I've been okay. Um, Since the last time we heard you on this podcast. When was that? More yeah, than I think October ago. last year. Oh, October last October year? October last year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's okay. So it's mm. been like one year, two months. Yeah. How has yeah. your year been? 2023. Metamorphosis, I think that was the... Episode <laughs> <day>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Our last episode with Semjo and I, we, we discussed comebacks, right? So both Semjo and I had a pretty rough year when we were reflecting on the year that we had. Uh, but then we were leaning towards making a comeback. Mm. And it's very meta because we're talking about the podcast, we're talking about our lives, and also a lot of uh, divas all have had these major comebacks. And I'm curious how you would apply that comeback philosophy to the year that you've had. This is something that shocked me this year. I no longer believe in comebacks. Ooh. And why is that? Um, after the breakup in March, I think the biggest feeling that I felt was anger. It wasn't the end of the relationship that made me angry. It is actually a lot of latent anger that I've held over many, many years since I was a child. I'm going to show everyone that I'm capable. I can get good grades. I'm going to be the best musician in my school. So even if you don't accept me, I'm talented. So I'm smart. I'm going to get a good job. I am attractive. I am lovable. And how do I do that? I engage in a lot of casual sex. And despite that, I have a very long-term boyfriend. And these are things that I looked at as metrics. 
I thought that if I had all of these things, I would be super happy and I would feel very, very good about myself. Mm-hmm. When the relationship ended in March and I was the one who ended the relationship, um, I realized that these things did not make me as happy as I thought I'd be. Yeah, sure, there were happy moments, but I think it really forced me to confront why is you not over the anger that you've held since you were a child? I always compared myself to other people, especially when I left junior college and I could start drinking and going clubbing and going to bars. Oh, wow, I'm attractive. People want to talk to me. All I have to do is keep improving my looks, keep maintaining my body, have a certain persona online that is very triumphant. Obviously, if you go back to like interviews I've done or like episodes that I've recorded with you guys, that's always been like a narrative that I try very hard to push out there. That contributed to the reason why I left, even if I didn't know that was the reason why I left, because it did feel like at times I really feel very shitty about myself. I was forcing myself to be like, no, Kennedy, you're happy. You won. You have everything you ever wanted. You, you, you had your comeback. Because the foundation is so weak, you take out one thing, the relationship, and then the, everything just comes crumbling down. So these days, I try not to be so much of like, oh, I'm going to get the revenge body. I'm going to have the wonderful life where I'm going to travel a lot. Like, yeah, I've been working out. Yeah, I've been traveling a lot. But I, don't, I try not to make it so competitive in that sense. The term comeback, that's something that I know like in my mind what it means. And I know like, oh, I overcame it. You know, what will you tell your younger self and things like that? It's just that I realized that for me, it was a coping mechanism for a very, very long time that did not work for me anymore. It's almost like all these metrics that you talked about, right? So-called metrics that you're trying to hit. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that you were doing all of these almost in like a performative way. So it was like for other people to see. Now it seems like, okay, you've had a shift in terms of your perspective and you're, you're going like, hey, now actually I'm just doing these things for myself. And like, I don't care if you regard me as successful, as attractive or whatever. But if me going to the gym makes me feel good, makes me feel healthy, partying less, I don't know. Is, is that what you're doing? <laughs> well, Among other I mean, things. I think statistically, mm. um, statistically, obviously, I'm not partying less. I've seen you, you've seen me. Okay. Um, yeah. And sometimes you remember, sometimes we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but you've been a lot more well-behaved, I must say. Once in a while, I try to take breaks. Like yeah. in September, I did not drink at all. Mm. I was very happy with myself about that. Um, and I felt that one month of not drinking gave me the headspace to really think about a lot of things and really work on my emotional development. Yes, it used to be very performative and I'll take it a step further. It used to be really outsourcing the validation mm. to other people. Not gonna lie, it did work, especially when I was younger. It really did work, especially when you're 19, you know, nobody's seen you before. You know, you're young, you're slim, you're Chinese. It worked for a while and then when it didn't work, I never realized it was, it was not working anymore. When you say work as in to, to what end? It did not make me feel good anymore. Uh, it okay. did not make me happy. I see. I tried to do the whole old new era thing. I tried to go to Songkran in April and I tried to like get drunk off my ass and be around a lot of like so-called hot guys. I tried to do everything. It wasn't making me happy anymore and it was a very scary... It was, okay, when it stopped working, the biggest feeling I had was fear. It was actually fear and I was very, very scared. This whole plastic life that I used to patch up a lot of wounds that I had when I was younger, I felt like a very big fuss. I felt like a huge imposter. And the stories that I told, things that I said online about my triumph, it felt very fake. And on one hand, I know that that's not completely true. On the other hand, I still feel like a hypocrite at times. So how do you go from that headspace to where you are now? Because you, you clearly seem to be a lot more like, you know, 
calm about things and more at peace with things, right? I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah. yeah. What were your observations? So, you know, he really helped me through like a period of like anxiety a couple of weeks ago, like really put things in perspective for me. And it's probably the first time I've seen Kennedy like that. He was so parental to me. I cannot explain to you how significant that was even for like the weeks after just that conversation the cliche goes that healing is not linear, right? You know, healing doesn't happen in a straight line. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that I'm healed. You know, it's, I don't think anybody can say they are like 100% healed. You know, everyone goes through their own things. And I'm still going through a lot of my own issues. It's just that now I'm much more willing to like confront those issues. Mm. Whereas in the past, I was like, oh, so what if I have issues? I have a long-term boyfriend. I have this, I have that, I have blah, 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 blah. So I went for therapy. The thing that sparked my interest in going to therapy was actually TikTok. The algorithm is very scary It recommended me things like Are you going through a breakup? What's your attachment style? Then I did all the quizzes online <laughs> And I did all that, you know Then they're like Oh, is this your attachment style? You need to go back to your childhood How were you raised as a child? I'm like, oh my god This all makes sense, you know And then I started reading self-help books And it did get a bit obsessive Which is in itself a problem But then after that I was like Okay, you know what? Maybe I should speak to a professional now One particularly good therapist Just shot me back with a question I just told her I was like I've done this, 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 this. I know this, 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 this. And then she just said, I'm going to stop you right there. You know, clearly as someone who does a lot of reading, you know, you, you do all the work, uh-huh. inverted commas. But who or what in your life has made you feel like you need to be perfect to be worthy of love? Damn. And just that one question just rocked my whole world. I used to think that a lot of my problems and self-concept was because I got bullied for being gay. And then I realized that I had hidden the way I was parented the most. Sometimes it's really so deep in your subconscious that you don't realize. You know, Singaporeans in general are like quite competitive, right? Mm. Why are you looking at me, <laughs> girl? <laughs> but no, like, yeah, I think so. No, in general, like competitive and generally um, avoidant of the scale. It's usually dismissive parenting, right? You have to earn the love. Yeah. Do you bring back a good report card? It's things like that that give you small signals that you have to earn love. Then you compound it with how I was treated because I was gay. Mm. Then it paints a very, very clear picture. Time to time, it still comes up and I still get very angry and I'm trying to let go of it. And you can't force these things because I reached a point where I was like, shit, I've done the work. Why am I not happy? Then I realized it was me going back to that old pattern of checking off the grocery list and expecting Mm. the result to come. But these things take time. I mean, sure, I'm still gonna, you know, get drunk sometimes and the closest of my friends will get emotional texts and things like that. That's still gonna happen. You know, I'm just hoping that it will be less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but sometimes putting a name to the feeling is honestly half the battle and i love hearing you so present because it's almost like you stop chasing the comeback story and you literally were coming back to you yeah you're coming into your own and being so much kinder to yourself i attended a youth camp for gbq men very interesting for gay, bisexual, and queer men. Mm. Wow. You know, when I first heard about it, it's run by this organization called Rainbow Asia. Okay. A camp for like, like literal adults. That <laughs> you know, like usually mostly gay guys in one enclosed area. Come on lah. You would think something sexual, right? But I'm very happy to say that it was not. It was actually a very, very healing moment for me because I got to meet so many people who were there for similar reasons. Mm. No alcohol, no substances. There was a conducive air to it, but it wasn't clinical at the same time. It's like, okay, you know, people want to try and experience something that it's not what you typically see. It's not always at a bar, always at a club. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I, I mean, I love it. 
Um, it's just that I wanted to see if there was more to it, mm. you know, more to mm. being um, a GBQ man in Singapore. I'm happy to say that that is. I, I know this sounds so, like it sounds. Yeah. No, I love it. No, it's so yeah. wholesome and like you talking about it alone, like you're you you do not know, but the three of us can see your face is just lighting up. Yeah. So we checked in. Uh, there were some icebreakers, and the first speaker of the night was actually um the greenhouse which is a trauma-focused substance abuse recovery centre, giving us information on why is it that GBQ men have a higher propensity to... I mean, these are difficult conversations that I think, frankly speaking, it is the elephant in the room ever since repeal 377A. Yes, we are all very happy that the law got repealed, but I think it's time to have difficult conversations about other problems within the community. Yeah. You know, what causes GBQ men to have a higher proportion compared to other communities to use substances and... It really all leads back to shame and trauma, right? Yeah. And I think that's really set the tone for like what the camp was going to be about. There are other workshops like platonic touch, consensual platonic touch. Oh, so how it goes is... Yeah, do you want to demonstrate on me? <laughs> I'm sitting beside Kennedy, by the way, so... Sam Joe, may yes. I touch your hand? Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's platonic because I'm feeling something else. <laughs> I mean, I mean, never knock it till you try, right? But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but the whole concept behind it was to dispel the notion that touch only needs to be sexual. Mm. Yeah. Because oh, we're usually yes. in such, for gay yes. men, we're usually in such sexualized environments. People like to treat people based on the way they look or whether they want to have sex with them. And that's actually so dehumanizing. Mm. In your day to day life, would you treat your colleague like that? You wouldn't. Yeah, you're right, right. And I don't understand why is it that when we go down to a bar, that has to be the case. And I'm, fully, I'm saying full disclaimer, I may have done it in the past mm. and I may have really contributed to this problem. Yeah. But I'm stepping in now with this awareness that it doesn't have to be this way. You know, why is it that we always have to be in like a sexualized environment? So that was the first night. And then the second day, it was a lot of games interspersed with trivia about the local LGBT community. Mm. I like learning about history and things like that. Mm-mm. She's um, educated. She's informed. The one that I really want to highlight was in the night, we had a campfire night. It was really fun because my group, uh, we performed the Jingle Bell Rock scene from Mean Girls. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I bet it was your idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You're totally Regina George. Everyone was very enthusiastic about it. It was not like a e lame, you know what I mean? Because like, if you're going to make me plan it, you better do it, you know? Right. And typically, in a university camp in local universities, you're the open gay kid. Everyone knows you're gay. So then you're typecasted as the gay best friend. Then they're like, oh my god, can you dance single ladies? Can you do this? Can you do that? Mm. And you kind of become like the comedic centerpiece who mm. cross-dresses, mm. Um, who does the sassy routine, who shakes his ass and everyone gets very entertained about it. And don't get me wrong, it, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But as I get older, I start to realise that maybe it's a bit tokenistic. Yeah. Like mm. why are you the jester, right? Yeah. Just because of your sexuality. Why you know, are you like, always providing comic relief? In that camp, it felt like, oh, I'm doing the sassy Regina George dance. Other gay guys are also having fun with it. Yeah. And we're all genuinely enjoying it. And I don't feel like I'm just doing it for someone else's entertainment. I feel like it's empowering. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah. Did it feel more like, you know, even if they were laughing, they were laughing along with you rather than at you? It just like, felt good. Like, yeah. I, 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 try, I try not to overanalyze it. Like, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. And you didn't, you didn't have to sort of be other compared to everyone else, you know? Because, like, I know it's, like, as well to sort of, like, Josh is the openly gay guy, you know, so we'll let him do this. And then, like, sometimes you kind of play along because it's your only way into the club. I was someone who actually, I would play up the very stereotypically gay characteristics and make myself a caricature Mm. because I thought that doing that would make me like... So, yeah, maybe it is a a lot of my own doing. However, 
in that camp, I felt like I didn't have to do any of that. You were not separate from everyone else. Yeah, there was also this moment where we were eating dinner. It was a very precious moment. <laughs> you sneaker, that sneaker, look? because it, it was Josh's favorite word it's for very, us. When, it's a very when, precious when, moment, yeah. Back in the day. Precious. Mm. It felt like this could have been national service for me. Mm. Because here we were in like a bunk bed format, but I felt completely safe, which was something that I never really got to feel in NS. And I mean, I've been on the record about this before and this was not a nice time for me. I recognized that that moment that I had last weekend was like, wow, there are actually people who want similar things, you know, not just drinking and clubbing. And to be very upfront, there were times that we talked about all these things as well. Mm. It's just that depending on who you're with, that can be the only thing. And it felt like it was making my world really small, especially this year when I was not in good personal circumstances. The small world was not making me feel better. It was very scary. I couldn't do anything else to make me feel better. And going to this camp made me feel like that's really not true. Can I say something? So much of what I wanted or needed for my growth came at such a late period of my life. I was reflecting on how I was treated through the years, how I treated other people in social circles, in relationships. I was like, I wish I knew better. So I wish I allowed better to be done to me and how I wish I treated other people better. Yes, the partying and all that was fun, but that was the first thing that we went to play. We went to taboo. We faced rejection there, learned to touch there. We learned what the rules were there. We learned very quickly who we are and who we're not. You know, like I knew I was not the slim Chinese, whatever, whatever, which then put me down a certain other path where I became very angry at myself or other people, you know. Um, Society views us with shame, so I'll treat myself with shame. I'll treat my body with shame. Our sex itself is shameful. We're given all these like quiet, hidden spots where we can be. So these are all that is only possible. These are the only places we'll have access to. These kind of environments, get used to it, you know. I'm not like that anymore. And I kind of wish I had that much, much earlier. It's me coming to terms with that. We would have really benefited from this much, much earlier. There was a question that popped up in the camp, which was like, have you ever felt like you would be judged based on your job as a queer person by other queer people? It's not something that usually you would think about. Do other queer people judge you for your job? Um, whenever you meet a new person, a lot of the first few questions that pop up in conversation, oh, what do you do? I'm, I myself am trying to steer away from that because your job is not who you are. Yes, in heterosexual communities, that also comes up in topic. I mean, in Singapore especially, right? People compare their jobs and everything. But I realized for me, the unique queer experience was that when I was growing up, there were no so-called regular people in the media who were queer. My source of comparison of myself as a queer person was hot Chinese instagays on Instagram. You see how this is all coming full circle, especially on <laughs> the SG boys. Yeah, which was, I mean, we named it sort of ironically... It was in that moment that I realized like, oh shit, I thought I was over it. But after going through the kind of journey I had in the last few months, and then someone asked me this question again, right? Then I'm like, mm. I myself was giving myself pressure to look like having a good job, having a gym membership. Just now you mentioned like, when we were 18 or 19, these are the only places that we go. Like a lot of it is not by choice. I also thought I was over this whole comparing to instagays, but subconsciously deep down, I didn't know that I still was trying to force a form of perfectionism on myself. 
whatever information that we knew about the world we learned from like parents or teachers or from tv and stuff and, and for a lot of us who came into our age of we're starting to feel things with our bodies and with other people and everything we we kind of just turn to one another and be like what is the right thing to do uh? oh you're a top you're a bottom or oh, you're supposed to be here and this is the kind of drink you're supposed to order these are the kind of friends you're supposed to hang out with um this is how you talk on grinder i thought that was all that we can have it's so compartmentalized, right? It's yeah. like on one hand, you don't act like that in your regular life. You don't you don't act like that at work. You don't act like that with your childhood friends who are like probably most are straight. You don't treat them like that. But why is it that when you are in a gay space, mm. you act like that? We were ashamed of ourselves, you know? Mm. Like at least for me, in my case it was like, Oh, you're already sinful already. Mm. Therefore you conduct yourself in that manner where you view yourself that way. Oh, it's a very self-fulfilling kind of thing. Exactly. Like, I, I'm, I'm with someone, I'm very happy. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to, like, carve something that feels right for, for both of us. And I'm just like, oh, I, I wish I knew I could have this. But then you're also, like, 33 now. You remember. You remember all the shit that you went through. You remember what it was like not knowing what to do and, and feeling very lost. And, and you didn't know what was right, what was wrong. Um, so it, I'm just at that place where I'm like trying to come to terms with it it's not easy lah and I think last night I reached a kind of like I was journaling and I reached a conclusion the people who left would have left anyway mm-hmm. I know it sounds very simple but it's actually it was very difficult for me to reach this point because yeah. I always thought that if I did everything right maybe they could have stayed maybe they could have stayed or people yeah. would love me yeah like, that that's so that, so that's what's been giving me a lot of anxiety. Mm. It's it's like I I'm I'm holding onto like a like a sponge and I'm trying to like scrub 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 but it's not coming off. Yeah, you know and and I'm remembering people that were significant in my life and they're not there anymore. Mm. And I'm trying to like, hey, is there anything I can do to kind of like turn back time a little bit? Is there anything I can do to maybe kind of change a tra- trajectory? Like if there's any way I could have known this life could have been possible for. 20 year old Josh And I realised That's not true lah Because I think At the end of the day The people who are No longer in my life We just simply don't Share the same values Or maybe you do But it's just You know There are so many Other factors at play And I've reached An age where I've been learning And I'm still learning But I've actually Come to peace with it That exactly what you said Kennedy Like there's some People who Are just not meant To be in your lives At least not at this point Yeah uh, I was talking to another friend, you know, who kind of like had a situationship breakup and, you know, he was crying and all that. And I was telling him, you know what, maybe now is not the time for y'all to be friends because you clearly still have tender feelings for each other. But if it hurts so much now, revisit it down the road. You don't have to be the best of friends immediately after a breakup. Yeah. If it's meant to be, it will be like the Gwen Stefani song. Oh, I was cool. going to say, I was going to say the Ethel Kane song. <laughs> No, but like okay, my millennial references are very different. But like, I really admire that you're able to speak like this and yeah. be so objective about it, you know. And and I want there are times where I can be like that. Like when Kennedy was on the couch, I mean, he was that to me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I'm not like that. A lot of times, I I, I feel a little bit of everything and I get scared. Yes. And going back to the whole tracing everything back to your childhood, it is that oh, I if I did this, then my parents would have. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I meant by the people who left left anyway. What I meant was that you can't do more to make them love you. Exactly, and if you have to do more, it's saying something. That's actually for me. That's a red flag, which you leads know. me to the second epiphany that I had: feeling unattractive and unworthy are two different things. A lot of people build their lives around getting over feeling unattractive, mm-hmm. but in actual fact, 
what's deeper than that is feeling unworthy. Mm. See, I was telling you all about Worthy Kennedy. Love. See, I told yeah. you all that like, Kennedy is going through something. I told I you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Be- going through this Sadhguru, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, Super Soul. No, and you pray love. Yes, come to Julia Roberts. I kept trying to explain it to y'all. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I, the I Holy agree. Spirit I agree has touched <laughs> Kennedy's son. Yeah. When I reached that conclusion, right, a lot of things made sense. Mm. It really made sense. It was I spent a lot of my life thinking the two were the same. I thought that if I was hanging with the cool kids, if I was sleeping with X amount of guys, if I was having the looks on Instagram, having X amount of likes, I would be happy. But that was just making me feel more attractive. But it didn't make me feel more worthy. Can I ask a question to all of you? Of course. Does having this lens now make you imagine the future differently? So one thing that has really transpired over the last few months is oh shit you're gonna hate me for this it's okay we already do so (laughs) (laughs) it's a love-hate relationship in the house right now in italy i prayed in india (laughs) (laughs) no 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 but real talk i have picked up some spiritual practice (laughs) oh my god what did i tell you about the holy spirit kabbalah is it kabbalah (laughs) no no okay it's just um Okay, it's not exactly spiritual. It's, yes, I read a book about Buddhism one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been doing like just meditation through an app. So it's actually very secular. There's no religious element to it. Mindfulness. But yes, it's mindfulness. And they introduce concepts to you like approaching life with curiosity. So just now you asked the question that, you know, knowing what I know now, does it make me feel like there's more to the future? Definitely. Okay, I'm curious to find out. My curiosity might hurt me a lot. But... I know that I will react in a different way compared to what I did in the past. So does this mean that like you're gonna like join back SG Boys full time every episode from here on? Why are you asking me on the mic now? <laughs> <laughs> on the record. Because your fans want to know. It's yeah. Like, you know. I mean, I don't. I care. have no fans. What? Sam Joe is the only. only, only <laughs> Everyone about my OnlyFans. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, make. Oh, wait. Okay. Before I answer that question, have things changed? He still don't want the most fans. You still like other. You you still edit everything out. <laughs> I don't. I don't edit everything out. <laughs> He's had to edit fewer things out because, like you know, there's no Kennedy around to say yeah. all the all the wrong stuff. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. No, I think we. I mean, we definitely miss you. Um, yeah. Our chemistry was something that took a while to get to, I feel. You know, initially, I didn't know you at all, right? It was only over Shabu Shabu. Remember Shabu Shabu? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we drank. We actually went to a 7-Eleven to drink, I remember. I think we, oh, yeah. we tap out drinks from 7-Eleven. Yeah. Then we sat in some random alley. You went around and your question was like, oh, what's everyone's favorite Mariah Carey album? Yeah, we were sitting around the cell area. Mm. Like, had we had known then that we were trying to, like, do something that we needed. It's like, you know what? It's been three years actually. Twenty twenty. That was our first episode. So sure. hey, we we ended up making something that we needed for ourselves. This podcast, right? Because mm. so much has also happened from that first break the ice episode with who Kennedy was then and and who Sam Joe was then and where I was as well. I think it's very nice to come back because as much as I've said that I've tried to be more intentional in the last few months, you bringing it up also made me realize that even if I was so called unintentional, there were many great moments. Yeah. And that's another reason why you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You're going to create great moments no matter what. It's, you know, sometimes you can have intention. Sometimes you don't need to have intention. It's, it's, it's not that serious. But you can still have great times. And I yeah. had a great time. Yeah. 
And I feel like Rachel hasn't spoken much. It's almost like we just got her on for a 30 under 30 Forbes cameo <laughs> so that we can boost our ratings. Okay. And then okay. SEO, SEO. Okay. We'll leave the question hanging on whether or not uh, Kennedy will continue with us in the future, but I think yeah. we'll now sort of divert the attention to Rachel, our mummager, who is now Forbes 30 under 30 because of <laughs> managing the SG boys, which clearly opened many doors for her. It's only the SG boys. <laughs> yeah. Only and nothing else right now. Yeah. Yeah. With a few words, how has your year been? <laughs> My year? Um, you know, I've been trying to focus a lot on being present as well with what's around me. And I, I, I think looking for happiness is so hard. Sometimes you think you got it. Sometimes in this moment, it's exactly what it needs to be. But it's like this living, breathing organism. And you have to be okay with it changing. So... That's sort of me right now. It's my my own metamorphosis album, I guess. <laughs> yes. I, I just lo- someone told me the other day, by the way, that they learned the word metamorphosis from Hilary Duff's album, <laughs> which just like, which cracks me up. I think a lot of us did, like from all these different album titles, yeah. like Schizophonic. I learned. From oh my god, Jerry Halliwell. Yeah, but which is actually a pun on schizophrenia. On schido- yeah. I, I did not know that. So right. I thought and it's so smart because it's phonic, like yeah. you know, like sound. Yeah, yeah. schizophonic. So I love the metaphor of the metamorphosis because actually the last few months I did have a my own metaphor for my journey and it's called a chrysalis. Okay. Which is a fancy name for a pupa before it blooms into a butterfly. Yeah, we know. Oh, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, which album do you learn that off? Which I album? This one I, this one I learned this From one I learned in, the, the this one I learned play. this one I learned in primary school because you're learning about life cycles what? <laughs> So you learn that the, oh, it starts off as like <laughs> your time is Christmas. It starts off as an egg, then it becomes a caterpillar. I wish we were filming this becomes- episode so you could see Sanjo's reaction. <laughs> no, okay, but you're also speaking to like elementary. <laughs> yeah, but you're also speaking to a you know former journalist. Um, oh, now you can say it, right? Yeah, can work, can work. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was always a journalist. It's just that I know. I, but I last time you were like so uh, like always walking on eggshells around the fact you're a journalist. It, yeah, no, I was illegally recording there also lah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh had to sneak smuggle us in. <coughs> yeah, Josh smuggled us in, and then you smuggled the vodka in. <laughs> one smuggle after another. Good times. I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe, and we are the, the SG Boys. Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at. The SG Boys. The beliefs, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are attributable to its hosts only and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, organization, company, or individual.